Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, your audacious autocrat, uh, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... Jason. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew's here in running audio. <laughs> That's why we're out of order. That's why I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm doing work outside of work. All right, so Andrew is going to be... Uh, here in a limited capacity on the cast, but he's actually working behind the scenes. Uh, I'm here in spirit. Sure. Someone didn't watch he, the show. He's here working for free, and we're going to ruin the expanse for him. <laughs> I mean, it was going to get ruined anyway when he edited I it. I didn't so. get a chance to get expanded yet. So, so, to be fair, I have been yelling at you for quite some time to You've watch You've been this. yelling at me for every time you're over at my house. Yeah, you literally walk out of your, your room, and I'm sitting there with Carol. You're watching the expanse yet? No. I wouldn't invite him over anymore if he yells at you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't invite him over. <laughs> don't, don't let him in your house. I think one of the plus sides of of him being here for this episode is that um, I don't think there's a lot. Like, obviously, we'll spoil season four, but I think it's separate enough from seasons one through three, and we'll talk about that more. Where it's like um, we won't really. He'll, he'll that'll, a lot of that will still be a surprise. I think. I got you. Except gonna, for like, except for the big thing. But I mean. quick little overview, I guess. Uh, this was developed by Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby. Um, Ostby, sorry, I always say his fucking name wrong. Uh, for those who don't know, he co-wrote. They co-wrote Children of Men, Iron Man, Cowboys and Aliens. Um, that's like, aside from the Expanse, that's like most of what they've done. But that's all pretty successful shit. So hell yeah. Uh, the executive producer is Naren Shanker. Uh, he is a very, very big in the, in the sci-fi. Shankar, thank you. Uh, very, very big in the <laughs> science fiction world. His, uh, he, he got his start on The Next Generation. I was about uh, to say, his four. name sounds really familiar, but I don't. I didn't do uh, the homework to look No, it's okay. He's, he's written on, starting on TNG, did Voyager, DS9. Um, fuck. I should have pulled that up for you, which I'm going to do right now. Aside from Star Trek, he is also known for doing Farscape. Uh, he has done some non-sci-fi things like CSI, uh, the actual original CSI, um, Night Visions, The Outer Limits, The Chronicle. Uh, he did Grimm. Okay. Yeah. Sequest Twenty Thirty Two. Wow. <laughs> this guy, yeah, this guy's very story history here. Well, see, it's interesting to me that he also did Farscape because. Whenever I watch The Expanse, that's always kind of one of the shows, like legacy sci-fi channel shows that my mind goes back to. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, it's not the same, but as far as like a really well done science fiction show, I feel like Farscape was kind of the 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 creme creme of the crop of like the early two thousands. Uh, that and Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, or, I don't know if absolutely. you ever. I, I don't know if you ever watched uh, that. But yeah, it, it was like probably the best produced thing sci-fi's ever done. Before I, the expanse, I actually never finished Battlestar, which I know is like blasphemy. To you, say but on you know this what? Podcast. I finished it, and you don't have to. It's fine. Well, that's the thing. Like I know how it ends at this point. Like you, you can't go this long without getting Battlestar spoiled for you. And so, like, I, I do want to go back one day and finish it, but like, I look forward at our schedule that we have right now until May, and uh, I don't, I don't have time for. Gold what if we block Star. off a certain period, and me and you just do, or if anyone else wants to as well, we just do some Battlestar. Like, yeah, cool. But like then I want to do Lost too. Mm. We're just gonna make a new uh, <laughs> podcast for that one. But no, uh, okay, sci-fi. one last thing I want to talk about. Uh, 
there in Shankar, but he also did, or I'm sorry, he also has a bachelor's, master's, and PhD in electrical engineering. Wow. He's a smart, smart cookie. Well, that seems like a common thing with like, um... Sci-fi writers? Well, no, well, yes, but, uh, also, well, because especially like you look at the doctors at BioWare, they were, they were both... Yeah, medical doctor. Mm -hmm. Before they went into video game development, something neither of them knew anything about. But also, I've noticed, like, uh, with like, because I watch um, this. This is way off topic, but I watch I I watch clips of MasterChef Canada on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are, folks. We we took a huge departure. There's a point. Here Uh, Here we go. Chef Chef Alvin Lung is uh and i'm not sure where exactly he's from but he's asian and uh he um very broad hmm? it's very broad he's like east asian and uh he he talks about how he has a degree in uh chemical engineering and but now he's like a world famous chef and i think that's the thing with like a lot of eastern culture he talks a lot about like his history and like how his parents like were like you need to do something sciences or you're a failure and then, like, like he, he did it, he got his sciences, and then he went after his passion. He's like, okay, I got it, and then now I'm going to go do what I want. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, a, a, a common Eastern culture thing with a lot of people in... And I, I don't want to generalize, but that seems like a story I hear a lot, is all I'm saying. No, I got you. Um, <clears throat> so, obviously, the series is also based off of the popular book series, The Expanse, written by Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham, under the, uh, what do you call it? Pseudonym. Joint, joint pseudonym? Okay. Um, it's just a pseudonym. James S. A. Corey. Uh, they also wrote several episodes throughout the series. They get, I think they get, like, two or three. Um, Mark Ferguson, Hawk Ospie also get a couple throughout the series. And they all work really closely together in development too, right? Yes, it's very tight-knit, I think, when it comes to the writing. So, Anyways, that's just some, some quick little setup stuff before we get into the, uh, the nittier grittier. I'm going to go into the cast real quick. This is kind of more for season four. But uh, we got Stephen Strait as James Holden, Cass Anvar as Alex Kamal, Dominic Tipper as Naomi Nagata, Wes Chatham as Amos, no last name, Shore uh, Agdeshlu, is that how you pronounce I think so. Yeah, that's right. She plays the... Uh, uh, Secretary General. Christian Avasalara. Avasarala, whatever mm-hmm. you say. Avasarala. Uh, Frankie Adams as Bobby, Karaji as uh, Drummer. Uh, David Strathern, which was my favorite addition to this show, season so three. And, Save it for the cast. And finally, Burn Gorman. I have him in all caps there because when I found out Burn Gorman was playing Murtry, I was like, "Fuck yes, he'll he'll <laughs> nail it." I do have a comment from a listener about that. Uh, yeah, God, I, got, I hate we, that we, guy. we have a comment later. We'll get to those. Not the listener. Okay, um, Murtry. So. I don't really want to go episode by episode for this because that'll bog us down real quick. So, I'm just going to go with just some opening. Oh, I'm sorry. Ben, do your thing. My bad. It's okay. Uh, I synopsized the whole season. For yourself? You did it yourself? Yeah, I wrote it. I know. Sometimes I got some extra time on my hands and I don't have to plagiarize. (laughs) Um, So, The Expanse. Eight months after the crew of the Rosinante opened thousands of extraterrestrial gates and a Ganymede refugee ship broke the blockade to seek refuge on a habitable planet they call Elis, 
Secretary General Avasaralis sends James Holden and his crew to learn more about the planet amidst her election campaign. Once there, Holden learns the planet may be more hostile than it, than it appeared, and that's not even including the turf war between the refugees and a corporate stooge with a vendetta against them. Meanwhile, Bobby Draper turns to crime on Mars after her dishonorable discharge from the Marines, and the Belt attempts to keep their own under control keep one of their own under control as one of them threatens to destabilize the post-war peace. Is it weird that I like say it intensely when I wrote it? I think that's weird. No, it's let not me read weird. it again. No, <laughs> no, you're good. no that, that it's, was good. It's owning it, Ben. Yeah, you're that, owning that was good. it. Yeah, I was proud of that. I worked on yeah, that. Yeah, it's um, great. A few drafts. Oh man, so yeah, this this comes right off hot off the heels of uh, season three, which I will say that season three ended with them understanding that there was not going to be a season four. Mm-hmm. Like they were hoping it would get signed, but I mean, these guys have all been in the industry so long that they can just. They could just read the okay they could just read the room and they knew that it was going to get canceled and but they also knew that they could find a new home for it possibly they were really hoping on it i think their two big contenders were netflix and amazon both of those companies had distribution rights to the show netflix internationally amazon nationally or uh, within the u.s whatever um and i think it was 23 24 days after cancellation um it finally got picked up by actually a very impressive uh fan campaign to get it they they flew a fucking airplane around amazon studios with a banner that said save the expanse well and then they sent a model spaceship of the rosinante up into space via balloon and took a picture of it hovering above the planet earth like they did they they raised so much money to yeah, get this 100% show saved. real I had no idea. Oh, I it was no impressive. I had no idea. That's, that's intense. That's I've never awesome. spent so much time on Twitter than when this campaign was going, because I was like, what the fuck is happening? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember Colin telling me about it, because at the time, I was out of the loop, um, you know, really just within the last two weeks, which I was pretty impressed with myself that I was able to do it. I left off at season two, episode one. So I watched two, three, and four in a week and a half and that's just not something i do so um i was kind of out of the loop and i remember colin telling me about the the fan campaign and ultimately the fact that it was successful and brought the show back from the dead i thought was extremely impressive i was going to just bring up briefly because i I watched a video and it's really cool i've mentioned it several times on the cast and in different things and i'm a big fan of like the um very organic like react videos so i think i always use the example of the uh ewan mcgregor on stage when they announced obi-wan and like you know uh when it was patrick stewart on stage and they announced picard like there's the same exact thing i think it was like some event and it was jeff bezos and like some other like amazon suits on stage and the cast of the expanse was in the room it was like a banquet and jeff bezos is like oh hold the presses hold the presses so i just found out um you know two minutes ago that you know the expanse is saved and like it was you could see i don't know did you see that video oh yes i saw that oh yeah that that was awesome so the first time i saw that was today oh okay and i was just like i almost got a little choked up i was like i can't imagine like that's really fucking awesome like to you know have something like that where from just fan demand obviously i think what jeff bezos is a fan of the show right that's yeah. what i was I about to say and your... it helps that the ceo of amazon <laughs> this is his, it's more he's more than a fan of the show this is his favorite show 
That's how we know it'll never get canceled. Yeah, it's never going to They're going to catch up to the books, and then they'll just keep writing books because they'll have to produce more well, <laughs> episodes or more seasons of the uh, show. On that front, actually, the final book is yeah, coming out, out, and James S. Corey, they have said, this is it. We don't want to write The Expanse anymore. It's done. They had Well, that's interesting. From the time they wrote the first book, it was a planned nine-book series. Oh, so nine is the last book. Yes. They, see, they I haven't read any of the books yet. Yeah, they I planned know. it. The whole story was all planned out for them. They didn't want to go any past that. Yeah, it's the complete opposite of George R. R. Martin and Game of Thrones. Like, they knew their story before they even started writing it. So. Well, that's because they're competent authors. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I don't remember if it was Ty Frank or... Uh, Daniel Abraham, but he was he wrote this as a video game. This I was thought it was a tabletop. It was either a tabletop or an MMO he was writing for. And he did all the work down to like the weapons, the ships, all the factions, everything. It was meant to be perfect mm. and it didn't pan out. And then it was someone was like, why don't you fucking make it a book series? You did everything already. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one was doing it. And then they got together and just started writing it, though. Um, and I think Ty Frank was a... He, uh, he was mentored by George R. R. Martin. He actually, like, lived with him or something and worked with him for a while. Yeah, I do, like I do remember hearing so, that. He was, like, an assistant or something like yeah. that, wasn't he? Yeah. There was some sort of relationship there. Yeah. The Weird. apprentice surpasses the master. Oh, 100%. Um, Anyways, yeah. Sorry, I, I could I could talk about The Expanse well, all day. Well, maybe when Book Nine's done, they can go back and finish Game of Thrones. <laughs> if they're looking for a new project, they might, can just, might as fucking well just finish Game of Thrones. Guys, I have a secret. Game of Thrones is never getting finished. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. At this, <laughs> at this point, I don't care anymore. Yeah, I don't care no, either. Yeah, no, it's over. Like no one cares anymore. Like when I see George R. R. Martin writing for a fucking TV show that he just came out oh my for God. on Sci-Fi, it's like this dude's never gonna finish. He doesn't even want to finish. No, he wants to leave the world no, man, wanting he, more. He cashed those checks a long time ago. <laughs> we're sliding off topic, but it's because you know, no matter what he says, the ending he wrote is the ending in the show. <laughs> yeah. No matter what he says, he's like, no, it's not the ending. It is the ending, and now he's terrified. Oh, yeah. He's absolutely. terrified because he he's tarnished. He can't. What, what are you supposed to do? That's why you don't agree to this shit until, like, you know, like James S. A. Corey. Like, they have this all planned out. They're good to go. I don't, I don't, Ty Frank and, and what was there? Daniel Abraham. Daniel Abraham. They have this all planned out. Like you said, they could agree to this before the series was finished because they have the full script. Whereas George R. R. Martin has openly admitted that like he he's he's written himself into corners and he doesn't know how to get out of them. Well, I mean, so. it's great to hear though that there's some sense of like a plan or some linearity when it comes to the expanse. It's nice to know that going into 2020 because right I like I don't really follow the print aspect of it. Didn't really follow the show until two weeks ago. Um, to my chagrin, but like when it comes to the the print stuff, that book is coming out soon so 2020 so as of 2020 there's a complete story to be adapted and obviously we know they're pretty adept at adapting the story so and if you guys think the show is fucking wacky now aka oh my god it takes so many left turns in a good way but it takes so many fucking left turns i'm just like holy shit i may spoil everything for miller but don't you spoil the rest of the story for me i won't there are so many left turns don't you do not see it coming i did a stupid thing and i was just like 
you know how you're just like in a Wikipedia hole. Oh no! And you're just going through it, and you're just like, I, I got it to the point where, I, you know, you know, I don't read books, but I got to the point where well, you, I was. They have pictures in them. I was looking at the cover art of there the books, go. and I was like, because it's really cool <laughs> cover art, and I was looking at it for for the cover art for Tiamat's Wrath, and I was like, oh wow, that's really neat looking, and like the title Tiamat's Wrath, like, well, come on, like obvious D and D fans love it. And I was like, oh, that's neat. And I hit back, and then I caught a line in the synopsis of the book, and I was like, oh. And I closed it and just stopped. I was like, oh, well, okay. I'm not going to even say what yeah, it is, but I'm just like. Miller's a giant oh, space I'm not slug. Spoil something by accident. But he's still wearing his uh, fedoras. But. I am personally offended by the fedora comment. <laughs> yeah, no, but I will say. Either read the book, or if you don't have the time to sit down and read, you have a busy lifestyle, or you're always moving around. The audiobooks are perfectly fine. Uh, Jefferson Mays uh, narrates the books. He's so good. I think I've mentioned on the cast before. He's so good that he, it didn't work out contractually for him to be available for the fourth book. They got somebody else. One of the top sci-fi narrators, Mark Thompson, in, in the history of audiobooks. They got him to do it. The fans demanded that they re-record it at a, like a year later or two years later with Jefferson Mays and they did. You can't even well, find the Mark Thompson that, version anymore. The <laughs> fan base Mays. that's one fan base that has some resources too so if the fan base was mad at you that's I think I would do whatever yeah, I had to do. because they're all to, fucking doctors and scientists. Right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's they're going to figure some crazy shit out to retaliate. They're all successful you, people. <laughs> I can um, say I'm, 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 I'm definitely interested in reading the books but I am not going to until the series is over at that's, this point. That's fair. That's fair. Because because I've seen our friends, some one of our friends' reactions to season four, and uh, you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a passionate person. I'd like to think sometimes, um, and I don't want to have that reaction to the sh to the series just because I read but, some words but here, on paper. Here's this. Here's the interesting thing though is I've done just as much of the books as he has, if not more. And I, I love this shit. I think it's beautiful. Cause really? Because he, he, he says cause yes, he says season four, and I know he's going to listen to this. He says season four, like, tore apart the books, and he hates it for that. Yeah, I don't think it tore apart the books. I mm, think it stayed pretty true to it. They definitely introduced shit from, like, book five into this one, because they've introduced characters that you can't just, like, leave hanging for, like, two seasons you didn't talk. This isn't Game of Thrones. You mm -hmm. start a character, you got to keep working with him, you know? Uh so a lot of Bobby's stuff, uh, Bobby Draper's stuff in this is from book five. Got it. And they introduced uh, Christian Avasalara in season one, episode one. But she doesn't, she doesn't come, come until book two. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. But before. it flows so much better this way. No, oh, absolutely. It, it gives the it it gives the show an air of like what I tell new fans. It's like Mass Effect meets grounded Mass Effect meets Game of Thrones in Game of Thrones in the politics aspect of it. And I think that was a conscious decision too when they developed it was to to bring Avasarala in early on was to give it that feel of like sci-fi Game of Thrones. I know that was thrown around a lot early on in the series. It was a marketing choice. And Absolutely. everyone goes, it's actually nothing like Game of Thrones. But well, that's what you say is it's the, the Game of Thrones of space. Exactly. But it, exactly. Like when you break it all down, they are very different uh, series, of course. But, like, you know, you've got the politics of it all. You've got the... And I don't know, maybe the books are way more different. But in the, as far as the show goes, you got the politics of it all. You have the 
outside threat that is threatening humanity. You have the factions and et cetera, et cetera. The adventure, the Jon Snow. It it's been some some years at this point since I've revisited or visited it, but I'm pretty sure that the whole campaign thing between uh, Christian Evasalara and uh, I forget the other character's name. Uh, Nancy Gao. Nancy Gao. That is entirely from the show. That is not in the books at all. Yeah, I was asking. And I thought it was great. I was asking I a, a book reader about that, and he had no idea what I was talking about. I was surprised. I was like, yeah, I was like, it's kind of a really important storyline when you really think about it. Like it, it kind of reframes the narrative in a bit of a different so way. The way I look at it is this is Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham being able to revisit certain characters and go, we wish we developed them in this way. Or we sure. wish we did this. And Absolutely. I think it's working. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're here to talk about season four, not the books. Sure. Um, no, this is my fault. 100%. But <clears throat> so we'll just say season three ends with, as you said, with the, the gates opening up. Um, them leaving the ring space and it starts out with oh how the fuck does the season start I don't Gan- the Ganymede refugee ship uh, breaks the blockade that the is Barbara, the Barbara Picola, that's the Barbara right. Picola. Okay. Uh, and a few others but Barbara Picola is the only one that makes it through right? and makes it to Elos which okay so fun fact they don't do this in the show but they did in the books the doctor lady on the planet uh, the medical Akoya, Akoya, uh, and her husband. Her they actually switch roles. Her husband was that. Oh character. no, you're the, you're talking about the Ganymede, not the not the corporate girl. No, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm talking, sorry. Uh, Liara, I think, or Liana, something like that. Um, they were the parents of the kid that turns into the proto molecule monster in season the three. The hybrid. Okay. And that's like part of why they went to this new place was they wanted to get away from that pain. But anyways, oh, that would have tied really nicely. I wonder why they didn't do that. Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe they still will. Maybe. So, <gasps> season four beginning, I've got just some kind of bigger picture, like top down things I noticed right away. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since you know coming into this, love season one. You know we did our I think our what third episode of this cast on it years ago four years ago now whatever it was um about that yeah and i just kind of fell off the planet with it i think i mentioned a little bit earlier didn't really have time to watch it on sci-fi when it was live every week you know and and they were putting out episodes weekly so i was behind on it and you know colin always kind of sung its praises and told me check it out and i just never did so when i knew that you know the show was saved and it came out in december and we were going to be doing uh season four and kind of a recap of everything for the cast i i was trying to find time to watch it and interestingly enough when i got back into expanse mode i think it took like two episodes and then i i like mainlined it i watched like i said three seasons 30 something episodes in a week and a half which as i said before to me is you know that's not just unthinkable i don't do that anymore it's a very bingeable show it is absolutely bingeable show um so season four, and there's a lot of things I kind of want to talk about with two and three, more character stuff, but season four, I think, and especially watching it the way I did, you can tell in season three, it, it was about as disjointed as this show has gotten. And let me just preface that by saying, I think this show is incredible. This is one of my favorite things. <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know, video game, book, whatever. I love this show. I think this show is incredible. 
Uh, so I'll say that right off the bat. But season three, and I think you told me this because I, I, there was a certain episode in season three after it happened, I messaged Colin and said, you know, wow, that was really cool. And I think you told me the, the pacing gets a little bit weird, not bad, but just a little bit weird, a little bit different to what I've seen thus far in the second half of season three, which it absolutely does. But I think knowing some context there and knowing what the cast and the crew were kind of walking into and knowing that, hey, okay, this is probably it for the time being, you know, maybe we'll get saved, maybe things will change, but, you know, we, we want to finish the book, basically. We want to finish the adaptation. You could tell, you know, it got a little bit, I wouldn't even go as far as to say breathless because I think everything still had time to develop the way it needed to, but it, it definitely was moving at a, a quick clip, you know. So season four right off the bat is just a complete antithesis of that. Season four, they're really in one location for the entire season. The episodes are longer. They just take a lot more time developing the the vibe, the atmosphere, the, the feel. And I think, you know, to me, characters aside, because I'm sure we'll talk about that, but there was one moment that got me and I got goosebumps. It was, I want to say it might have been, it was either the first or the second episode, but it was when they land on the planet for the first time and Naomi's character has been doing all this stuff to kind of prepare her for you know gravity basically and when she steps off the ship it was just the combination for me of like the performances the cinematography the locations they were shooting at the music it was like whoa you know and literally right after that scene I messaged you like two minutes later I was like dude I I felt feelings like this is incredible and I feel like that really kind of sold for me take chances on properties like this take chances on things that are really in it for the right reasons and are really trying to be art because to me that's what it was and the season really kept that up and there was some you know, again, I haven't read the source material. There's some interesting choices throughout the season, which we can dive more into. But just overall, I think that was the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway on the, the bigger picture scale for me was just the amount of time that they spent just to develop that sense of place, which I really appreciated. Very, you know, one location season, really, when you think about it. They didn't go anywhere else with all the kind of hopping we did in the previous seasons. It was uh, it was kind of refreshing, I thought. It's interesting you say that because I agree with almost everything you said there, uh, you know, regarding re- arriving at Elis and everything. Uh, I also was warned about the pacing of season three. I had to catch up on season three. I had watched two already. Um, and I, I I love season three. I think season three is the best season of the show, personally. Uh, yes, it's obvious that they condense an entire storyline into six episodes, but I thought it really worked well because it. We're not here to talk about season three, but I thought it worked well because it trimmed a lot of fat, and you could tell immediately. Like you could tell, like there are things that I didn't need, and it got rid of it, and it let me focus on the one thing in the world that mattered, which was Clay Ashford. Like that's all I cared about in season three, and I was good with it. Um, going into season four, this is actually my least favorite season of the show. I And not to say it is bad or I didn't enjoy it because I loved it and I really enjoyed the show. But this is my least favorite season because it felt too slow. It felt very boring. Um, the stuff I was interested in the most didn't get the amount of screen time I wish it would have. Um, specifically, everything involving... 
uh, the UNN, Mars, and the belt. I, the Elis stuff was cool, but the only thing that kept me on Elis was Holden. That was the only thing, because Holden at this point, Stephen Strait has really grown into the character in a way that he was not in the first episode, in the first season. But I, yeah. What? I just want to say that you think that was slow. The book only dealt with Elos. There was nothing to do with the belt or Mars or Earth. Yeah. And so I will say that they they made this better with that choice. Um, oh, guys, I just I wish I could tell you what the fuck is coming, but well, I, I can't. And that's I can't. Thing. This show I, gets well, it's going to get fucking wild. That's the thing. I could totally <laughs> see that everything they're doing is is setting up for the next roller coaster, the next UNN Martian UN Martian war. Like, that's what they're setting up for now at this point, because the first half of season three is some of the greatest television I've ever seen. Like, from the from from Admiral Suther and the the Agatha, the uh, the Agatha, Agatha King, Agatha King. Thank you. Everything involving the Agatha King. Some of the best fucking television of all time. Like, it's really fucking good. Oh, my God. And what was uh, the, the guy that the spy that worked for? Oh, I forget his name, but he's so good. He's great. Dude, honestly, it's funny, but I literally just got goosebumps Nick, thinking of that scene. The the, the mutiny on oh the Oh my the god, that was so it, it, good. You you, you can't so write better good. television than that. Like it goes up in the in the record books. And season four, I guess I guess for me personally, when I like fast break television that still lets us breathe, because you said that it's not breathless in season three, and I agree with that. It, it it hurt the fact that they had to condense a book into six episodes i think hurt a bit of season four for me because i was expecting more of that like quick fast-paced stuff which was a bit my fault because obviously it ended a major storyline and i think that should have been well it, you know yeah and that's my point too is by no means what i say season three was was bad i mean i would here's the thing ultimately and it's kind of funny coming off of it. If you watch or watch, if you listen to our casts chronologically, it's really interesting kind of the topic this week coming off of the topic we had previously because it's almost the exact opposite. Whereas the film that will not be named this one. was <laughs> one of the worst things I've ever seen. Truthfully, so far, it kind of is an umbrella just piece of media the expanse is probably one of the best things i Absolutely. think i've ever consumed in sci-fi or any other media i just think it's great i think it's it's well done in every regard and season three is really no um no different you know and although i think the pacing it wasn't necessarily that the pacing was bad or poor or, or anything of the sort in the second half of the season i just felt like it was different. It was different than the pacing we had seen in seasons one and two in the first part of three. And that was why it was kind of like a little bit jarring at first. But I thought the story was handled extremely well. And and at the end, you, you truly did get that vibe where, OK, we just finished up a major storyline in the books or what I'm sure was a major storyline in the books. We kind of have this new frontier that's open now, but they were seamlessly able to pick up with season four and it mm -hmm. felt like you know the continuity was there absolutely uh, yeah, it's just the next season you know I it's i would have never guessed that it had jumped to another network not at all except that was the cool thing for me you could tell right off the bat the benefit of having not to say sci-fi or you know the production company or whatever didn't support the show the best they could but they having didn't. that backing of amazon 
having the backing and, and the, the financial backing, you know, you could just tell right off the bat the difference in the visual effects, which were already incredible for a, a TV show, I think. The visual effects in season four were insane. I thought they took it up a, a, another notch. I think they added a few more uh, VFX companies. Not yeah, just, and you like, can not see just it. people, but companies. You know, I, I'm Bezos sure you guys money. saw. Well, when you go from a lot of the scenes like on Earth or on Mars, and then you go back to uh, it's uh, is it Elos or e- I always get it wrong. It's, uh, okay, so it's it's, two, it's two things. It's Elos for the people that uh, settled there. The Belters. The Belters. The uh, the homesteaders, whatever you want to call them. And it was New Terra to the people that uh, the, the, corporate, the corporate people. Well, I'm sure you guys noticed it too, but to me it was great because every time they went to these, you know, big outdoor like landscape shots, it was, you know, uh, widescreen, this widescreen high def shot. It was just beautiful. And the, the color choices when they first show the surface of the planet and they've got that top down shot, it looks like a drone shot or like a helicopter shot. The aspect ratio change whenever they're on the planet. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That's a what I mean. Wonderful just, choice. Wow. You know, and you can tell, okay, this show has finally landed in a place where they're supporting it. Like it's got product, better production values than a lot of movies we see. I mean, seriously, like it, it's indistinguishable at this point. I uh, I wanted to say something um, that harkens to what you were saying earlier. It kind of directly relates to what you were just talking about. Um, I feel like viewing the episode from uh, Naomi Nagata's uh, point of view is pretty amazing because it's like there's this there's this journey that she takes the entire season. Which, like you said, when you open up, my thought through my head was this is probably the first blue sky and open space that she's experienced. And like you said, it gave me goosebumps because I thought I thought of myself in her position, and I couldn't help view the rest of the seri- or the rest of the season kind of in her shoes because you know her story was about sacrifice. You know her story was sacrifice for love. And it's very interesting to watch that and to be in those shoes and to kind of get that from a sci-fi show. You know, it's kind of it's kind of weird to get that sort of drama out of what would naturally be considered, you know, a very, very, I would say, scientifically and technologically accurate and centered and, and believable universe. And then you have this these real characters and it feels so real. And I think that's what I love about The Expanse. I think that's what really gets me into it is that I feel like, yeah, if people were in this position with these these tools, with this scenario, I, re- I really do believe that this is what would happen. And I think that's the beauty of the entire series. And yeah, so. I wholeheartedly agree. So that that's two of my main points just with The Expanse as a whole, you know, and it, it ties into season four because, again, I think. The Expanse is nothing if not consistent between kind of its portrayal from seasons one through four. But there's two things that I think The Expanse really has going for it that we don't see in a lot of other entertainment and certainly not a lot of other kind of modern sci-fi. The first thing is the show never takes the easy way out. So in any circumstance, anything that arises from the plot or whatever, it's never easy there's never the easy solution you know when we open up uh and we see uh bobby draper's character and she's you know basically slumming it with family disowned dishonored dishonorably discharged like that's interesting what a great because she's a hero you know one of the select group that basically saved humanity Mm -hmm. and was responsible for that and she got the short end of the stick 
that's great and you you literally can point to any plot point and they always kind of spin it in an interesting way it's never what you think is going to happen or what you think the character deserves you know because of course to me she deserves to have financial stability for the rest of her days and she can do whatever she wants but they didn't go that route and really with none of the characters you know you see the same thing with um with uh Avasarala's character very complex all the characters are very complex and i feel like the situations they put themselves in or find themselves in are equally as complex morally ethically whatever and they deal with that they deal with the fallout of those decisions it's never black and white which is one of the reasons i absolutely love how the show handles it and the second thing that the show is really good at and we saw a lot of in four and not so much the development of this in four but more kind of the full circle kind of realization for me at least in four of following these characters the expanse is probably one of the best shows i've ever seen at bringing in a character and making that character at least initially very unlikable and then building that character and developing that character to where two or three seasons later you find yourself absolutely loving that character when bobby draper was first introduced i hated her I hated that character. Mm-hmm. I when she was the tough as nails marine by the book whatever in season 2 did not like her and I think I sent Colin messages to that extent like oh man I really don't you know really can't handle this character. Season 4 love her. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love the arc. I'm on board, you know. And it's the same with everyone. I, I was I felt that way about Holden. Oh, yeah, I didn't like Holden. Did. Season 1 no one did. But 4 he really came into his own. Mm-hmm. I feel like I think Ben said it best. He grew into that character. And now, even though he's delivering his lines, his interactions with the other crew, I thought he had a lot of good Amos moments mm-hmm. this season. Really kind of like, kind of, let's be lame and say heartwarming, but kind of heartwarming. Same with Amos's character. Just all all the, the, the character development is just second to none. I feel like you really, you, you almost form a relationship with those characters based on how you're perceiving their interactions or how they're handling these crazy events that they're kind of thrown into i okay sorry i was just gonna talk i uh like you're saying with these characters that's what makes it so beautiful because they kind of all have their own mini tragedies that happen right it's like bobby's bobby's tragedy is that she's so honorable and so duty bound and so loyal to mars that mars keeps shitting on her but she's still loyal and it's such that's so like that's such an interesting character trait, but yet she's still dealing with the fallout of Mars, you know, not taking care of her. Um, that was just, that's so cool. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and it's like so interesting because what I notice with all these characters is that they each have the hero's journey. Each of them has their own hero's journey in some way. If you follow it like step by step and you're trying to figure out, like you see their, their wall, you see their, you know, you see their, internal and external uh transformations and you know you get all this stuff out of it uh and it's really cool to watch that work out in the way that you're talking about it because you each like there's so many stories that are intertwined right so elos and avasarla and all of that um and it's so interesting to dissect it because amos has his own arc you know uh naomi has her own arc and then you have bobby has her own arc and they're all going through these difficult conflicts that are in a gray area but yet they're all um what i would say with the plot of you you catastrophe that thing that happens that happens right before the resolution the just the horrible thing that happens and then you have this relief uh 
and I feel like each of them has this constant new catastrophe happening and that's what keeps me so invested I just see all these characters that are just like oh this is so tragic like what's happening here what's going on here and then James Holden comes out of you know left field with something then will you save the day or, or whatever you know that sort of stuff that I, I think that's what makes everything that happens in the series so interesting is that not only is it believable scientifically you know culturally sociologically i think it also has such good character work and such good storytelling and that's what keeps com- me coming back i will say from the acting standpoint i don't know what it is but with amazon picking it up it's like fresh blood was injected into all of these actors they brought I, they brought their a game i bet i know what it is i bet they have more time and oh, more yeah. money i bet they, well when you have more money you have more time i bet i bet the production schedule is not as cramped especially because it's a streaming show now yep you don't have to get worried about getting yep. episodes out weekly you can make sure that it's all coming out at once you know you yep. make sure people have time to really work through the characters work through the scenes i'm sure everything's not as rushed on streaming sets i'm, I'm sure of it so um one of the my favorite point acting points from this was actually uh west west chatham who plays amos uh he's always been one of my favorite characters on the show just because for all intents and purposes he's supposed to be this sociopath who he does it well well, yeah like he, he like he doesn't he supposedly doesn't feel like he's just suppressed all no. that at, a, at an early age and so he like has no moral compass it's just survive that's, he, what, that's all he is but he latches on to these morally good people your naomi's your holdens mm-hmm. um in season two and three it's prax yes he latches onto these morally good people and he lets them be his moral compass and they're good people they deserve to live he's going to do everything he can to make sure they survive and I just think he keeps running into these situations where it's not about survival and not survival and I don't know I guess you could say that they keep chipping away at the ice around his heart he's he's learning to feel again well, it's really but, fun to watch him act that out I guess but then taking a step back like killing uh, Wei what's her name? Mm-hmm. Yes like was a, was a big moment for him because it's like it, it's a it's a two steps forward one step back kind of thing like he's willing to kill for Holden and and the mission but this was also someone that he did care about he was he was this wasn't like this I'm, I'm, I'm at least the way I took it this wasn't something that was like uh just just a fling like it was growing on him and he was enjoying it to the point where he constantly was telling her like don't be around like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna kill you if you're around don't do it and he finally kept his promise when she tried to stop him and I think that's a really, I think we're going to see a dark spot for Amos in the future now where I think this is going to kind of hit him and hit him like a truck. I think he's he's been doing well at suppressing everything because I don't think he's a psychopath. I think suppressing was the right word that you used. Uh, well, I said he was a sociopath. Right. I know. Yeah. But but you, when you you said he doesn't have feelings, but he's he does have feelings. He just suppresses well, he's, everything. He's, he suppressed them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he... I, I think this is finally once he's he's recovered and I, it's already hit him like a truck. I, I totally forgot the scene with him and Murtry. Does he kill Murtry in that final moment? Like I, we're going to find out, I suppose. Yeah. I'd like to think he does. And I think we're going to open up to a season five opening a scene as Holden's walking around. Hey, Amos, what's going? Shh, doors open up. 
Mertry's just a, a puddle of blood and guts, and Amos is just over him like, well, sorry. I disagree <laughs> that he's he's not going to kill him because the captain said don't kill him. Hmm. But that's my and and I don't know and if that's you're why projecting he used his your fist and not his gun. I don't know if you're projecting your book knowledge, but. The, this oh, is where I don't, think, I don't where, think that interchange happens in the books. Oh, okay. They they do that shit on the planet. It's just where I'm I'm where I'm at with this character is that like it's exchange it's interchange. totally possible for him to snap at this point. Mm. It doesn't matter what the captain is saying. Is what I'm saying. Like mm. like this is a dude who's been through too much, and this is the icing on the cake that could easily send him over the edge. Like the only thing stopping Amos from becoming like the dominator of worlds is mm. Naomi and Holden at this mm. point. But if he, under, you know, I feel like if he goes undergoes such a traumatic event as killing the first person he has feelings for since he was five, like, you know, I, I think that might be enough to push him. I don't know. Not to mention he blames Murtry for it all. He doesn't, well, he doesn't blame Wayne. He doesn't blame himself. He blames Murtry. They also... I just wanted to add one thing to that. They also, in the very first episode, the first, like, ten minutes, they show that there was this developed relationship between Amos and uh, uh, Clarissa Mao, uh, Melba. Yeah. Total bullshit. <laughs> well, no, I just, I think that that was kind of like, oh, by the way, end of season three, we didn't do this, but, like, how about that? I don't know. Um, Why even add it in? Because I talked to Tyler about this, and Tyler was like, yeah, they, they develop a relationship in the book. Like, not like a romantic relationship. Like, they... No, it's not romantic, right. but they do but develop, they develop a the relationship books. in the book. And I'm like, they don't even meet in the show, so <laughs> just throw it out. Well, well, that's well, that's the thing in the books. And it even feels that, like, quick, it was the Rosinante transported her back to Earth to stand trial and all that. Um, but that whole time, yes, they develop a relationship. Amos just needs to, like, make sure things are safe, and that was one of the things he had to do. But not to mention, like, she doesn't even come back up for the rest of the season. So unless this is a long game where, like... Bro, they it's, exactly really, how it, it's exactly how it plays out in the books there. Like, like, but I'm saying, like, do they really need Clarissa Mal later to be around? Like, is the question. She's a main character in books five, six, and seven. Oh, and eight, so, and, so yeah. she'll probably be back next season. Yes. I, and that's why I, they just wanted to, they Colin, just wanted to remind Colin's us. got that deep knowledge that like, we they, do they, not I'm, not I'm not spoiling anything, but yes, I, she's I, a main I, Yeah, I don't care if, if characters that we know aren't dead, you tell us, show up in other books. I, don't I will say, and you guys will rage about this one character that didn't come back due to contract probably contract obligations was uh miller's partner from season one i, I, I read he's about in that. book four yeah i, I was looking he's up one book of the, four. he's one of the main characters in book four well they kill him though havelock no havelock doesn't die i thought they killed him in uh in season two. Oh no that, they didn't they that... shot him in the head because he was trying to keep them from leaving amos killed him oh. no no that was a different character havelock oh, okay. is his partner on series that guy that died was just a friend was of someone his. on Eros. Got it. Okay, his, my yeah. bad, my bad. His my ex bad. partner or something. That was a big hole in there. Okay. So that's really the thing. I think what we just talked about with Amos, like, that's what sets the show apart because that in and of itself, I think, would be a great narrative to drive a show, but that's one of like 20, and they're all fucking great. Yeah. Every character has a great arc. And, like, to Bill's point, the thing is, like, each of these characters has an interesting story that's 
they're living through and that's being told that are they're all equally valid there's no lame story you know like i'm i'm in, anytime we go back to earth and what's avasarala up to it's a good story so i'm invested i care we go back to you know illis uh, what, what's Mertry up to or what's, you know, like it's it's good. It's it's well told. H- how is, um, you know, Alex's family or his how is he dealing with that? It's interesting. You know, he's kind of becomes like the mentor character in a lot of ways to some of the belters that we see, like the belter colonists. Like it's great. and It's complex. You know, it isn't black and white. Like I said, that that is what really sets the show apart. And I think we'd be remiss to not mention who became some of my favorite characters um ashford and drummer holy shit yes what let's what, talk about that what what a duo yes. so you know I, I, what, what a duo what I, a relationship the reason one of the reasons drummer is so interesting is she's actually three different characters combined into one that, because yeah, they logically i've heard that they logically said we can't afford this many people this many characters it's too much so they combined these three characters into one and it worked perfectly i have also heard perfectly. that ashford is killed by clarissa in book three correct yep she fucking domes him with a gun so like thank god that yes. they kept him yes. <laughs> i think that's part ashford like they just want to do something with the character but also straithern just fucking is that awesome that they're like we can't kill him off this dude quickly. like oh my gosh everything with the belt this season and even even last season was it's just so good and it's it's so like how do i put this like like you could sink your teeth into this shit like it's it's the forming of a nation and you have people like anderson dawes who was i forget the actor's name but when he was in season two that dude ruled the screen every time he was on he was well, on we've it we've seen what else he's done he's very good at that he's shakespearean and i hope we see anderson dawes again um but we have anderson dawes we have fred johnson and these two powerhouses in the in the story of the opa but we realize through the uh work of drummer and through ashford that like these guys aren't the ones doing the work. They're, they they always came off as like, or early on, they, I felt like at least they always came off as like these big revolutionaries. These, these you know, butcher the butcher of uh, Anderson, Station. Anderson Station is Fred Johnson. Like, you know, they were big, big dudes who carry big sticks and, and threw their weight around. And you find out that like, these are the people who are holding them up. Like everything they do, the decision drummer makes in, in the trial of Marco and Oros uh, to let him live because she saw rebellion happening right there was was a really powerful moment to show like and like Fred Johnson is only who he is because he's had Cara, Cara Drummer on her side this whole time. And I loved it. I, I loved all that whole discussion. Well, sorry, like when you really get like deep down into it and they show it in, I think, season three. Or maybe it was two. Anderson Dawes made Fred Johnson. They talk about it in Fred season Fred Johnson two. was broken and drinking in a bar, and Anderson Dawes found him and made him this hero for the belt because he knew that's what it needed. I think they allude to that a lot when Anderson Dawes is around. But then, and uh, Drummer was working for Dawes at the time, mm-hmm. and then Fred gets elevated and she starts to follow Fred. But, but you're right. This whole time, they are the people that have been elevating. Right. 
and, like Ashford is is the man who sees the future. He sees everything they could be. He shows up, but nobody believes that. But, but no one believes. Him. But he's like he's like oh you're just the you're the crazy old pirate. He, he got shows crazy up stories. on the behemoth but, with uniforms, and yeah. then in season four, everyone's fucking wearing the uniforms. Yeah, because it's he's that good. Like holy shit! I, Clay Ashford was my favorite character in the entire series, and his death hurt hard. Yeah, well, I was sh- I was emotional hurt. during that well, scene. I I was too, and I think the singing the like the Belter shanty mm-hmm. was incredible. What an incredible way to send him off! Because I didn't realize you you get some kind of like oral cues, like you hear the the door like the airlock open. But he's still singing, and he seems fine. And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh shit, he's floating in space!" Right? He's oh not, shit, he's not pooped out like in the movie. Exactly, but because that was the thing out. too. Like, and and that is fitting with his character because he was such a badass. You know, whenever we see people getting spaced in this show, it's always this dramatic thing, and they're, you know, they get sucked out into space and whatever. It's like this dramatic death, and the fact that he basically walked the fucking space plank. Yeah, exactly. And he's did one it with this with this, and world. he did it with honor. He he died as he lived, and I thought that was great. I also loved how they bookmarked the season with those scenes. You know, you you've got the scene you just mentioned with the kind of the trial of Inaros, mm-hmm. and you have. Uh, you you have Ashford basically say to Inaros's face, it would have been death for me. I would have killed you. I would have set you out the airlock. And then later on, you'd know he's just he's resigned to his fate. He knows, and that's why yeah. you know it, it was so great that in in Ashford's last moment, he sends out that transmission and does one last thing to hopefully, which I mean I'm sure Colin knows, but well he actually sent, no because it didn't even happen in the book, right? He's hmm. yeah no this is all all fairly new. But he, the but fact he sent that, it to Drummer, we all know he right, did. but and it that's the thing, the continuity of the show, the way they set up the storylines, it just plays so well into perpetuating like the neck. What, what's the next thing? I think someone just said the next roller coaster. Yeah. So we just set it in motion. We we got to the end of one, we got to the bottom, and that was literally visually. You know, taking the cart and cranking it right back up to the top of the, you know, the roller coaster to set it off again. So great character. I mean, I loved his character. I thought everything Ashford did in seasons three and four, what a performance. It made me look up other things he's been in. Yeah. Because what a great actor. And so this is where I want to talk about the Middle East. Um, I could be wrong here. And people could you guys could be like, no, you're you're misreading this. But does anyone get a strong feeling of Earth and Mars as the U.S. and Russia, and the belt as the Middle East in in this in this season? I I, I see a lot of um, so let me let me support with evidence. <clears throat> we know that everything Bobby was a part of in, on Mars uh, was involving with the crime. What had to do with Belters getting technology. For Marco Anoros, 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 uh, Anoros, it's Anoros. Yeah. Uh, Marco Anoros's plan to uh, to start a war. Um, other Belters obviously against it, um, but some willing to listen because of what he's saying. But most importantly, this seems to be backed by a lot of um, not just like Martians, but high up Martians. This is Bobby is 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 running kind of the gambit of like trying to figure out who's behind this all. And she's finding out that the guy who is their contact for all of this, who's setting up these jobs, is a high up active 
commander in the Martian army. Which I will say, if that character makes it to this show, and I think I, I'm pretty sure I know he will. They better cast that shit perfectly. If they don't, I will riot. I don't know who it's got to be, but they cannot. But this all cool. comes down Sorry. to um, the 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 fall of the Martian Empire, the fall of the of the war, because that's all Mars was driven by was war. War and the future was all Mars had. And when the rings opened, when progress came through, when the 21st century came knocking, Mars fell apart. And who does Mars blame? Mars blames Earth. So how does Mars fix it? Mars starts wars in an unstable environment. And they use radical leaders to do so. And now the UN has no choice but to get involved. UN walks in, and I I do need to say the US is not at all uh, blood-free in this. I'm not trying to say the US is the good guys who are forced to fire on the u.s or the u.n i am saying that it's a it's i'm i'm seeing the parallels the metaphor that they're that they're getting at in this and i maybe this is a complete and utter misreading maybe the door is just blue but i i it's also like a lot of what i got throughout it all i don't know i was wondering what you guys think i absolutely understand where you're coming from Mm -hmm. it's definitely there i think it's definitely there only because i think i'm not sure if it was intentional but it's if definitely there's a reading there mm-hmm. that you could definitely dive into. So I, I support I support what you're saying. Thank yeah. you. <clears throat> I mean, and it's easy to say that the the political makeup of the solar system and the expanse is based off of the geopolitical well hellhole that you know. Yeah, because at the end of the day, this is our Earth. It's it's humanity. It's yeah. uh, that's one of the yeah. big statements the show is trying to make i mean so we've expanded and and we'll go before season three where you know the confines of the solar system are really as far as we can go but what was the tagline of the first season we've gone too far right so like that was the the whole idea there was okay so we've expanded out but we've kind of fallen prey to the same sort of like factionalism and tribalism that plagues us on earth so we're not really ready for it yet and now all of this shit kind of lands in our laps the, where the, the, the galaxy opens ex- up to it us. Op- literally opens up literally, you know, that that scene in season three where, you know, all the ring gates are opening up is like, oh, shit. OK, well, all of a sudden the universe is a lot bigger than we thought it was. Right. But we're still dealing with petty earthbound bullshit, even though we're not. We, we've escaped the confines of Earth. We're now colonizing other planets. We're colonizing, you know, asteroid belts. And in season four, we're in other solar systems entirely. But we're not really ready for it yet. I mean, it kind of goes back almost to um, the same thing, I guess, I brought up a lot when we did uh, Ad Astra. You know, I think this is a much more deliberate take on that. So I think Ben's reading is well-founded. I think you could totally read it that way because... That's, you know, everything we're, we're talking about, it's almost like layers of the same sci-fi cake. So, like, we've got this great characterization, we have these great arcs, but the underlying thing that's always kind of moving in the background is this political climate. And that really is what makes the show. If you didn't have these interactions between these different factions and kind of their own interests and what they want to do or what they think is going to be the best way forward for their particular faction, or even 
members within these factions that have these differing views. You know, you've got these isolationist belters or these radical belters like Inaros, and then you've got, you know, like uh, Ashford, who's complete opposite. He wants to, you know, basically form a nation, you know, or, or he, he wants the respect of the inners and, you know, these other kind of uh, historical like power players. So I think it's great because it, it's just a certain complexity that really kind of hammers that point forward. I think I think that was awesome what you just said because you were well yeah but <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we share the same brain in a lot of ways because before you said it I thought like wait at Astra monkeys and tin cans in space like that's exactly what I thought I was just like this is like it's like um you know the proto molecule and i don't know i don't know what i should call it but you know it reaches out it reaches out it reaches out yes. uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's what you call it <laughs> it reaches out it reaches out um and it seems to be like this this normalizing force in the universe that is just like as soon as humans get too far it just slaps your hand like nope nope you're not supposed to do that yet nope nope you're not supposed to do that yet you've got to pass this test before you're allowed access to all these systems you have to pass the test it's like nature it's just keeps reeling humanity in because we get too far out there when we get too far this thing slaps us on the hand and it's like you're not ready you're not ready you're not ready over and over and over again just as a mechanic that humanity has to face against and it's kind of like man versus nature you know that we you know are constantly in a battle with this thing and it just happens to be there's this definitive sort of quantum mo molecule thing that that well, gets in the way yeah and to that end too I, I thought that was one of the real interesting things coming out of season three mm -hmm. is that you have this galvanizing moment really the end of season three is a galvanizing moment for humanity or at least it should be what they 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 see i guess in going into the, the bubble or whatever um what they see kind of what they experience that should be it right it should be a united humanity but then when we pick up season four it's there's a blockade yep. they're blockading yep. this the giant fucking you know ring portal station to other like really you blame them god well no but that's the thing is it, it adds that layer of complexity because it then it becomes less this natural phenomenon and more a political tool yeah. and and that, and I'm not, I'm not I don't have an agenda there but that that's what's so great about the show is that it went that route it didn't galvanize humanity we still we fell back on our old habits <laughs> That is incredible that you just said. That was, that was, you know, I'm just going to pat you on the back every single time and talk because that was because of what you're saying about having this incredibly powerful natural phenomenon and how do humans react to it? And it's like, how do humans react to it? They fight over it. It's the tragedy of, of common resources in humans. It's that tragedy that always comes up. You know, it's the human nature aspect of this, you know, like, um, and the fact that, you know, like you see it at every single major juncture in human history. It's like, how have we dealt with having excess resources? Well, people hoard it. How do we, you know, deal with having, you know, a religion? Well, people fight. You know, how do we deal with, having writing people write secret notes to each other it's like every single thing that hum every good thing that humans get it's kind of like oh we ruined it we ruined it again we had a good thing we could have been a united front we could have shared you know like the internet we could have shared all of our knowledge to everybody and had all this universal access to to information and then what happens we ruin it 
we ruined it because we used it to manipulate each other. And we made memes. And we <laughs> and we made sweet, sweet memes, which is, you know, that's going to save humanity. <laughs> that's, that's, that's in the ruined category. As much as we love them, it's no, I, uh, category. Anyway. I, um, I have a deferring opinion about... Uh, Not allowed, but go ahead. The gate and the rings. I agree with and everything Vassarella has done throughout this season. I agree with blocking it off. I think if there was a way to close it, they should. Because, and this is the important thing you guys got to remember, this isn't a gift. This wasn't, you know, like some some faraway species was like, here you go, little humans. Enjoy the secrets of the universe. No, this was a colonization tool that another species used. They send this protomolecule off. Eventually, it gets discovered when a species is advanced enough to discover it is the idea, I believe, because the protomolecule assumedly needs technology eventually in order to build the ring. I thought I, my, my interpretation, maybe I got this wrong. I'm sorry. Um, I thought the idea of the protomolecule was that it was captured by the gravity of, of Jupiter yes. uh, instead of hitting the Earth. It was aimed for Earth. It was aimed for Earth. Oh, yes, you're right. It, it got captured by the gravity of Jupiter. So, but and, regardless, so it it's, its purpose is still the same, though, right? I, like, it still I'm, needs to be found. It still needs to infect. Mm -hmm. Well, what what I mean to say is that I think it was looking for organic material, not necessarily sentient beings. Fair enough. It, it, so they I think they explained this in the show. The protomolecule is simply there to build the gate the gates right. right yeah that's what that's what i'm getting at and they all they need is the raw material to build it and so earth had like the best raw material in you know the solar system or everything Re they needed to do it regardless that's what okay. i'm getting at they also, need, they also need biomass this think, wasn't for us this mm -hmm. wasn't for humanity this was for the species that sent it to come here so with that being said i mean look at what we did like we humans, but it's 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 a one hundred percent. It's the most um, factual analysis of how humans re would react. We nearly got ourselves killed. Mm -hmm. it, we nearly blew our entire solar system to hell because we were afraid. Fear. In some ways, Amos is the most evolved human of all of us because he's able to keep fear away, and. The, uh, everyone else is so focused on their own fear. So of course, when it comes, when all the conflict dies down, absolutely, Vassarol locks it down. I would lock it all down. I'd say there is no going in there. It's not for us. I don't, Jason. I would... No, j just briefly, I, uh, just to riff off of that. I thought that was, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not saying that. I think it should just be uninhibited. You know fly your ship through there go where you want fuck it like i'm not saying that i just think it's interesting because that that is kind of the human condition that's the way that w when we saw this you know miraculous thing regardless of whether it was meant for us or not that's how we uh, i guess to what bill said like we kind of hoarded it or we turned it into a commodity basically yeah. commoditized it um the other thing though it just kind of came up when you said that especially in reference to like Avasarala and her whole arc and especially like the election with uh, Guao and everything else like her video at the end after she lost was great yeah and I, I I keep going back in my in my uh my head here trying to think of exactly what she said because of that way she I phrased it was great but she said more I or less think you're wrong but I hope I, you're right 
Yeah, or, or like, yeah, it was something like yeah, that. That's, I that's think, what it was. I, I just watched it last night. Yeah, I, think I was trying wrong, to get it right because it was, like, it was either, right. I th- I think I'm right, but I hope I'm wrong, or I think you're, it was something it's, like that. I but, think you're wrong, but I hope you're right, is what she said. Yeah, it was, it was it, the way it was said was just beautiful because it really did kind of play to that, you know, kind of isolationist view versus the the you know literally at this point the universe is our oyster let's expand let's do it let's go out but what does that mean for all you know the factions we've seen thus far i mean obviously we explored a bit about the belters i thought one of the most interesting angles uh was at the tail end of uh bobby's story where it was well no one gives a fuck about mars anymore Mm -hmm. you know and and literally every outdoor shot you see looking out a window of mars you start to see the beginnings of you know cloud cover An and empire crumbling well no but you see the work that was put in the hundred years of terraforming you, you right. see but instead we all that, but we, we literally watched them shut down terraforming generators yeah. at but, one point but I, I, oh man i love it it's just like we could spend the next hundred years terraforming this planet or we go through that ring there's a fucking planet that we can already live on right without domes without you know but, you know, what, one of the Seals. things I, I thought they dealt with really uh, deftly was just the legacy. You know, there's people that started that project that died and they worked their whole lives on it. And now in that, you know, however long it was in the show, a couple days, these rings show up. That's that's a whole way of life that's died, you know, and I thought they handled it well, like they handle everything on the show. They handled it well. They respected the storyline. They didn't cut corners. I thought overall it was everything was done you know deftly with this show there was there were no corners cut definitely that's my favorite thing about this show is like it, how grounded it is like when we are introduced to this series when it first starts we see a seawall around manhattan and the the sea level has risen to what 20 feet like immediately it it doesn't hold it doesn't pull any punches it's like guess what nothing's going to change humanity will always be humanity and i've been here before we've we've had this conversation before we will always be who we are there's no changing that i'm i'm skeptical that we would ever be united enough to form a full one world un government i don't think that would ever even happen to be to be true honest but uh i i I think you're you're you know you're right it's it's authentic in the way it uh it presents humanity I, I, I love that point because it's almost that was a plot point before, right? Is the scientists who worked on the proto molecule were had their basic basically their empathy shut off in their yes. brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was like taking the humanity out of humanity and so that they could accomplish something greater. Mm-hmm. That's what that was the idea. And it's like, but then you're not human anymore and you're exactly. a monster. And so like it's a paradox. I love it because because Amos, I mean, that was a thing that Amos had to deal with. You know, it was, it, that's something he constantly has to deal with was he's like you said, he's an evolved form of humanity in a way. And yep. that's what these scientists thought about themselves. They were like, if only everybody could have their empathy shut off, they would see the future. And it's like. Yeah, and so that's like a battle, and that's something. But you see the result of not making these mistakes. Mm-hmm. Is the result of not making these mistakes worth killing our humanity? You know, it's like, do we become united and mechanical and unfeeling, or do we stay humans and um, stay sympathetic to our emotions and how we feel about ourselves? And I don't what's, know. What's funny is you could put all the mo- all the smartest people in the world into one room, 
and have them sit there and finally find an answer mm-hmm. and they never would right they never would there's no answer to that mm-hmm. you, how do you give up who you are to become something more mm-hmm. it's impossible oh guys you know i just realized we didn't talk about mercury at all Oh, oh, or Miller, Adolphus Mercury. <laughs> no, I'm waving. No, I'm happy. I'm not smiling. you, Miller. Jo- jo- Josephus Miller. Josephus Miller. Um, yeah, Joseph Campbell. What? Oh, nice. Okay. Um. <laughs> well, I. We've been going for quite some time. Yeah, we're we are running out of time. Yeah. Um. Oh man. Oh, but my favorite. Oh. my favorite line from Amos. Um. So. Are we not fucking anymore? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I actually, that was great. I actually have my favorite line from Amos in the show. I have it written down. Is Let me season, pull it up for is you. It in it's season three. You know, season four. It's literally Holden, Amos. Keep a lid on the situation. And then Amos says, "Okay, do you want me to shoot Morty?" <laughs> like, just deadpanned. Okay, do you want me to shoot? It's like, no, it. don't shoot anybody. <laughs> We do have a question from the audience uh, that we need to get to before we get to good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Oh, well, what what I had was from Seth, and it was a lot of his complaints of the departure from the book. I don't know. Which I actually think that, well, I see what they're doing. They're bringing book five into here as well, Mm -hmm. um, and they're just kind of developing these characters in a more natural progression than they did in the books, and I'm fine with that. Um, that was a lot of his complaints. Um, some things of note that he actually hated. Um, well, I'll bring this up. Uh, Way. Mm-hmm. Um, he said she was completely underwhelming in the books. She was way more of a badass. But I, we can't talk about her, compar- it. Wasn't her story. Here, it was he, and here's the story, thing, so. Seth. We can't sit here and compare the book yeah. all day long. Here's a newsflash. TV is better. <laughs> Stop reading books, you fucking nerd. Well, no, no, no let me let me ask. From the I would people- like to present to you the Ben Gibbard uh, Center for Kids Who Don't Want to Learn How to Read Good. <laughs> no, well, we're setting that up after the last cast. Uh, uh, there's a big sign that's in front. Our, that's our, our 501. Uh, real, real quick, there's, a, there's a big sign in front, but our target audience so, can't read so it. I can, so. so I can say this for Seth. Um, you guys have seen the show up to this point. Does this make you want to go through the books? Yes. yes. Yeah. I, I, I the series is over. I want anything and everything to do with the expanse. Okay. As of season four, Seth, at some point I'll consume all of it. Seth, you brought up in his text. He brought up how the Lord of the Rings made people want to go read the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's what the expanse is doing here. Sure. Right? I agree. Personally. Absolutely. But, okay. Um, he has a lot to say. Also, um, I feel like we covered some of it during just the conversation, but uh, we, do well, one, another, we do have another listener feedback also. One oh, thing okay. I was going to say, too, this isn't a point, but it's just kind of a reality. So it's so easy to talk about this show, and we literally didn't really cover, like, we scratched the surface, right. I feel mm-hmm. like. So maybe in a future date, whether or not it's before season five hits, maybe we can talk, you know, again about kind of more in detail, because I feel like everything we discussed today was kind of more the broad strokes of trying to catch up on three years of not arguably the best the science fiction property right. going right now we so. did drop the ball with not talking about season two or three I, so. so i just want to i just want to give a message to seth after you're done no that's it i was just saying maybe at some point in the future we'll have an opportunity to really kind of get into the nitty-gritty now that we've kind of gotten all this other stuff out of our systems um but i feel like this needed to happen 
Uh, what I would say is that we, um, I feel like there's this, you know, it happens with sci-fi, is that there's two layers of every story is like, oh, there's the cool stuff, there's the characters, there's this this stuff. Um, and I feel like people get so obsessed with this surface level stuff that they don't realize that the story, the heart of the story is still there. Whether you care about the books or you care about the series or you care about the movie, the heart of the story has to be there. If it's the same heart, if it's the same motif, it's the same theme, then it doesn't fucking matter the details. Yeah. Unless it's Valerian. <laughs> Unless it's Valerian, then Well, I don't know. Luke Maybe that was the theme. Was the heart there, though? Was Maybe the that was the theme. Who knows? I don't know. Somebody tore out Luke Besson's heart. Uh, we gotta make this quick, because we are running really... Like, this is gonna be a long episode. Uh, so let's make it quick. Uh, from a, uh, a person named Caroline. Um, she wants to know... Hmm? Nothing. Oh, I heard of that. <laughs> who, and make this quick, who is everyone's favorite character along with who has the best character development in the show? We talked about character development. It's, you know, everyone. everyone. I don't think we could ever say someone has better character development than someone else. But who was your favorite character in season four? You have, you have 30 seconds. I will go first. It was Clay Ashford. He is okay. a man of the people, a leader, born from the cloth of the OPA, and he died a hero's death. He could have shot Marco Anoros, and he could have easily, easily ended everything right there. What's Philip Anoros gonna do? Not a damn fucking thing, that's what. He would have fucking ended the war, but he knew that it would have landed him dead without sending out a message to Kara to let her know about the crazy shit going on out here. I totally forgot. Oh, wait. There's a meteor heading towards Earth at the end of season four. Holy shit. Okay, I'm done. There's... What? There's a meteor I, heading I'm towards joking, Earth. I'm joking. Okay. okay. Jason. I mean, 100% agree with Ben. Ashford, all the way. Um, not gonna, you know, uh, have the speech quite as eloquently as uh, as Ben just, you know, described it, because I don't think I, I have the words, but I just feel like as a character that was introduced in season three that I was kind of like, okay, they're doing this now. Don't really know how I feel about this guy. Won my heart, loved him, was shook up when he died. Great death, great way to, you know, send the character out. Uh, Bummed that he's gone, but awesome. Oh man, favorite character? Yeah. Um, I will say that- Best development, yeah. Well, she asked two questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we had already said everyone has fantastic development. I mean, if you want to answer it, you can, but okay. um, specifically favorite character. You have 10 seconds. In this season, my favorite character was, yeah, probably Ashford, I would say. Uh, oh, oh, no. But, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, loved, I loved Amos. All right, second favorite. No, <laughs> it's good because you know what? This just goes to fucking show. Bill, say it. Who was it? What? Who was your favorite character? No, no. Okay. Uh, Amos. Fuck you. Yeah, I know. No, Fuck you, you said Clay Ashford. I know. Ashford is so good. Ashford that's is a okay. given. That's it's what I'm given. saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's uh, incredible. He made me cry. I mean, I'm literally, thing, so. I'm telling you guys, he made me cry. And we cry. all agree. We like, all agree. Oh, my God. We all had so the same good. reaction to it, which says something about his performance and says something about the writing. I think, to me, like, Holden was probably the most 
improved over previous seasons. Yes. But I just think Ashford, you just can't fuck with his arc. It's, just, it, it's perfect. It absolutely. was perfect. It's so good. He died for his country. I like Who Captain else? Miller. He his name is like my name, and I like Lawrence Fishburne a Miller's lot. Miller's not a captain. <laughs> and <laughs> wait, wait, is that a Ben Horizon? Captain, <laughs> I said that Captain Horizon. Fedora Miller. God, I just want to point again. out we're not at that pristine level yet. You guys yet notice how Stephen Strait is just like straight up fucking going gray up there mm. already? Yeah. Did you guys notice that? I didn't notice it. He's gonna be a silver you fox. Can't wait. Hey guys, real quick, we're gonna run the table. Thirty seconds. Good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Me? Yeah, starting with you, Ben. Magnanimous sci-fi. Good callback. This is the best sci-fi on your screen right Trademark. now. If you aren't watching it, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you aren't watching it, why did you make it this far in the podcast? Uh, get on Amazon Prime. Go sell your soul to Jeff Bezos and watch this show. Because we really didn't ruin it. Yeah, we didn't really. No, we didn't spoil we, much. There's so much that we, we didn't even talk spoil. about Miller to. or the Cebola Burns. So don't talk about me like I'm not here. <laughs> I I hate you. Thomas Jane's more interesting. I'm just kidding. You're a wonderful person. I love Thomas Jane. Jane. Yeah, he was the Punisher. He yeah, wears, he's he, Josephus Miller. He, he, awesome. wear, he wears like 90 percent less shoes than you do. <laughs> he he plays Josephus. That's Miller pretty hard to show. do. I don't Enjoy wear any shoes. Dude was barefoot on the on the red carpet. Let's just say I'd that. be fucking barefoot on the red planet. He's barefoot in the show. <laughs> He is barefoot in the show. That's right. That's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, we don't know that. So I, I think at this point in the cast, if my opinions on this show aren't, you know, well known by now, then, you know, they, they, they won't be. I think this show is incredible. I was kicking myself for not keeping up with it. But honestly, it was great to consume these three seasons in, you know, short order and just kind of get that development. Can't wait for the next season hope it sticks around and they're able to finish the run this is great this was saved from the scrap heap people one of if not the best sci-fi properties we have going was trashed mm -hmm. and it was saved brought back from the dead and it's better than ever so you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not watching it incredible sci-fi magnanimous magnificent <laughs> god damn it um oh man real quick I will say for anyone that knows me, I fucking bleed this show. I, I love it so much. The series, the book series, everything. Um, this season, to me, was the best season yet. Um, wow. Just due to character development and based upon uh, how they're kind of stringing so many different plot lines from all over this series, the book series, into something that's more, I don't know, meaningful. I love it. So... Uh, amazing sci-fi, amaze balls sci-fi. Miller? No, just kidding. Bill. Um, I'd say that uh, this is fantastic sci-fi because I get excited talking about it. I just get excited talking about it. Like the fact that I enjoy it multiple times because I watch it initially. I, I listened to the audio book for this one, so I I knew what was going on, but um, and I need to continue on to five. But I loved the audiobook. I loved watching the show's interpretation. And I love talking about it. So I've loved this show three to four times already. <laughs> this content, I mean. Well, and your big thing for good sci-fi, bad sci-fi is usually, does it ask questions? Yeah. And no, I feel and like, holy shit, what questions does this show not ask? Right. No, and it's constant because I'm asking about humanity. I'm asking about, you know, like... I'm asking about humanity. I'm asking about meaning. I'm asking about, you know, other life. It's it's all there. It's so good. Well, so, folks, yeah. there you have it. Um, 
I think can we I got, make an announcement? We got a couple of magnanimous sci-fi's, but yeah, go ahead. I, I I would so you might notice that you're hearing this episode on a Thursday. Oh yeah, I forgot it's Thursday because of my incredible brain. Oh god. <laughs> My amazing smarts <laughs> and its humility. <laughs> <laughs> what? Our new, our new release day is going to be Thursday. I think we've actually finally got to a spot um, with our recording that we can actually make the turnaround time be fairly quick. Like it used to. Here's a little behind the scenes for you. It used to take me about five to six hours just to edit a podcast because we were recording with a, a, an inferior microphone setup but we're 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 getting past that we're entering a new era of sci-fi cross sections right now a new era of ring exploration and you're or you're you're on the ground floor for it so just be prepared this podcast is about ready to go light speed cue applause you're in for some good stuff the next, um... The grossest applause I've Ew. Ew. Next up, we're going to find a way to take your money. Yeah. Netflix, are you still watching me and somebody's daughter? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> one more, go one more point. Okay. <laughs> one more point. It's 3.30 a.m. The next... We have until May uh, schedule. Yeah. So the next four months... Are going to be great. We've got some great stuff lined <laughs> no, up. No, he's you. right though. Like we've got like a like bunch of quality new programming, of heavy quality, quality. We're we're about ready to become. In in my opinion, as the editor, we're about ready to become a real podcast right now. I think so. So enjoy uh, enjoy listening to us on Thursdays, and that will be christened next week with the impeccable Nicholas Cage. Oh, yes. the color out of space. See what happens when we swap the seating chart. This when you amazing. let the guy who actually works in audiovisual <laughs> do you. the visual or do the audio. It makes sense. I've been saying it for years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Shit. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, appreciate it. If you haven't already, please leave us a first off subscribe on whatever fucking podcast uh, source you're going to use, but also leave us a review. Very important. Um, we are going to do that uh, that that good good Lovecraft next week for you. So that's my wheelhouse. Enjoy that, and on top of that, Miller's right. We got months of good shit coming at you. So uh, until next time.